In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 284. Quarterly, quarterly number eight. Uh, well, Quarterly, Finally. occasionally, number eight. <laughs> it's it's still, <laughs> yeah. We we were. Uh, this is like a. We dropped the ball bu- and it it started bouncing down some stairs, so we had to chase after it a little slowly. <laughs> so this year, this year we're bi-quarterly. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> which which can be taken multiple ways. So. <laughs> uh, as we mentioned before, we real I mean, Chad picked up on this before I did. I, I, but that's because we recorded so little from like the end or mid-November to the end of the year that when he brought it to my attention that we actually did never get, we never did wrap up uh, quarterly, quarterly in the fourth quarter of last year, like we should have. But by the time we talked about that, it was already first quarter this year, and we knew based on planning and how far we were already falling behind in issue reviews that we kind of did zero in on this, having it done by the second quarter since we knew there was no way on God's green earth we were getting to it in the first. So on that, on that level, we are pretty much on track because we knew this was going to be a, this was probably going to be a June recording, and here we are, only halfway through June, so we're still, like, <laughs> so it's not like we're squeezing it in on June 30th. <laughs> Um, so we are talking Green Lantern Corps quarterly number eight. Uh, the title of the comic, at least on the cover, is Lobotomy, which has got Lobo in all caps. Uh, and the cover features Lobo drawing some surgical marks on Jack T. Chance's head uh, while he's le- leaning over him. Um, what do you think of the cover? It's sort of, see. This cover is memorable because even though I didn't buy this series when it when it was out because I wasn't reading Green Lantern yet, I I do remember this cover. I actually do remember this. I do remember seeing this this book on the on the stands and it, and it did kind of it did kind of kind of like bring back memories when when I was once I had all these issues back saved on my computer so we could go through these that this was one of the covers there were a few covers in quarterly I, I kind of remembered but this was this was the one I remembered the most uh, this is one of my favorite ones uh, it's just a nice cover uh, if anybody wants to get me a bottle of whiskey and do a custom label like that I'd really appreciate it uh, <laughs> it's a nice uh, I like it when people when they do stuff like that I I kind of like the Jack T. Chance's old-time corn mash. That's kind of cool. This is made in Garnett, which is the planet that they're on <laughs> in the <gun>. story. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
That's cool. Um, but I do like the cover. I think it's cool. Uh, and I guess the, the pairing up of, of Lobo and Jack T. Chance works for me here. We'll see about the interior. <laughs> so Some of the other stuff on the cover is cool, like the no bald blue midgets allowed sign. Now, there's a lot of stuff in the background in the level Jack T. Chance story to, to talk about. <laughs> or the at the very least mention. <laughs> right, but I just mean on the cover. Oh, yeah, yeah. And your favorite Eddie Braganza sign, sign is there, too. <laughs> yeah. He's, he just will not go away. This was 1994, people, and he's still around. <laughs> <laughs> he outlasted Emerald Twilight. By a lot. All right. You want to uh, you want to take the opening pages? Yeah, this 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 is an interesting issue because I mean all the issues have well most of the issues I, I think have had this kind of like overarching narration, but this is kind of in, just the the story that's being told here is pretty interesting because it's 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 definitely all relating to the events that are going on or have gone on going on <laughs> will go on through Emerald Twilight and the fallout thereof, but we begin with a really cool splash page which is I. It's symbolic, but for me, just the basic description talks about you know good versus evil, and we see like uh, the Green Lantern power battery, and we see that you know the legendary Book of Oa is and has been the Book of Records. So this is the this is the hour its final chapter is written, and much like all, almost all the other issues, how they all had a book in the title. This is this uh, issue's title is the Book of Endings, but I really like that. That picture, because it's kind of like it works on multiple levels. As we get through, we we kind of as we go through the issue, we know exactly Green Lantern wise what it's supposed to relate to with the two characters on the left and the right. But they're obviously going for a bigger picture theme too, talking about good, the conflict between good and evil, because it definitely kind of looks like the devil on the right hand side. Mm-hmm. Now, who do you think the left? Who do you think uh, moving beyond the Green Lantern tie-in? Who who did you think the left was supposed to be? Just good, just a basic rest, representation of good on the left. Honestly, just from the get-go, I couldn't picture anything other than Sinestro and and Hal. Because so, yeah. I mean, that's obviously as we spoiler. Alert. I mean, now, now that I'm looking at it, I can maybe think of um, oh, what's his name from uh, Clash of the Titans. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. But, yeah. But I, I, yeah, I think the thing that I just can't. To me, they're going for for. I think anyway they're going for this on to work on multiple levels. Obviously, as we see it play out, it's relating to the events of Green Lantern 50. But you actually look at these characters. I mean, they're not really dressed 100% the same because even on the cover, it's like uh, you know the the devil character pretty much looks naked other than wearing his cape. And the other character, it looks like he's got a little bit of looks like he's got a little bit of clothing on, but not. So that's why I think it's interesting. Uh, the levels because it's just they talk about good versus evil and the conflict that's been raging for about over 15 billion years, pretty much. So uh, after that, we get we go back and we get which is kind of funny now to look at since we know there's a lot of holes being poked through this in current Green Lantern continuity. But we basically get a re a retelling rehashing of of the the basically the origins of the Guardians and the or the cores of uh, the core and how it all came to be, how the Maltusians. You know, pretty much, uh, they were the first ones, I guess, to write on the sacred parchment, the Book of Oa, and they used time travel techniques and everything else. And they saw, and then we see them trying to take magic out of the universe. And then we, then they, in their travels, they learned how to become immortal, which is when they became the guardians of the universe. 
They went to, you know, they went to Oa, where they created the Great Energy Source, which was the central power battery. They created the Manhunters, who betrayed them, and then, you know, the Guardians. And I like the way, I like this description here, you know, but the conflicts never subsided. The Manhunters betrayed them, and the Guardians' paranoia deepened, leading them to share their vast energy stores with a sentient life form different from their own which, of course, is the creation of the Green Lantern Corps. Now we have Rory Dagg, who was the first you know, powering-wielding Green Lantern. Um, they talk about how, you know, basically the, how the Green Lantern Corps th- thrived for millennia, and you know, loyalty and gra- gratitude earned the, guard- you know, earned the Guardians this time of relative calm, while, while the Green Lanterns basically did all their dirty work for them. And I, I did kind of like this tie-in that, uh, and since the core since the core's formation, the Green Lanterns of Space Sector 2814 have traditionally stood as, you know, reigning examples of the, of the fight for all that is good, truly an inspiration through all time. And basically now we're, as, as they're telling us this, we, they're showing Ab and Sir. So as we lead into the first story of the issue, this is going, is paving the way for Ab and Sir to, to appear, which is where Chad's going to pick up on this. <laughs> That's right. So we open actually not with Ab and Sir. We open in uh, Nazi-occupied France in 1944. Uh, meteor comes crashing down uh, faster than uh, one would suspect, and it is actually an alien. Uh, and the alien starts uh, is being attacked by the Nazis at first, Um but says, you know, basically, I'm here to offer my services. Uh, any of you understand me? No? All right, well, fine. Uh, and his name uh, is, is uh, Noir, which I forget his first name here, Dask. Dask, Dask Noir. Um, and he's taking on these Nazis. Well, meanwhile, uh, out in space, we see Abin heading towards Earth. And he's heading towards Earth because he has been forbidden by the Guardians for inter- by the, to interfere with World War II um, in any way, shape, or form. But he's heading towards Earth this time because the Guardians have made an exception, because Dask Noir was one of their prisoners. Uh, and not only has he landed on Earth, he's also taken a bunch of munitions with him. So Abin is tasked with bringing Dask Noir back, as well as taking the alien weaponry off planet so that, you know, the course of human history isn't changed and, you know, uh, there is no real interference in the war uh, that is happening on, on the on planet side. And, so, and, and specifically, they, not to give it to the Nazis. <laughs> true. Um, uh, and uh, so we go down to planet side. And we see Alan Scott and Jake Garrick helping out, uh, you know, helping out some locals, doing a little bit of fighting here and there. And then they come, uh, uh, they come across Dask Noir. Uh, and Dask Noir really quickly knocks them out. Basically, the first page they're confronting them, and three panels later, they're out cold. Um, uh, that is right when Abin shows up. Starts taking on Dask. Then Dask grabs a gun, shoots it at Abin, and it encases his ring hand with a yellowish goop that crystallizes pretty quickly. He knocks out Abin. When Abin wakes up, his ring is gone. Um, uh, so what Abin does is he reaches over to Alan, takes <laughs> Alan's ring. Uh, Alan is still out. Takes Alan's ring. 
tests it against yellow and notices, hey, actually, this one can overcome yellow. And he's he's feeling differences with the ring and and uh, noticing some differences between his own. But he tr- uses Alan's ring to track his ring as well as uh, Dask's weapon that he used. And they go up against one another. Um, Dask puts some uh, local children in harm's way. Abin thinks these children have suffered enough, so he uh, he tries to take care of uh, take care of them while taking on Dask. Then Dask grabs his weapon again, tries to shoot it. Abin, uh, it doesn't work. He says, "I, I thank you for re- uh, relying on your weapon." So uh, I, I thank you for relying on your weapon. So Noir um, and uh, basically encases Dask in his own weapons goop slash crystallization stuff. Um, he takes his ring off of uh, Dask and and uh, he's talking to the kids. He says, I apologize for adding to the violence in your lives. If I could end your suffering, I would. They say, why don't you? He says, uh, it seems, they say, it seems like you can do anything. And he says, I can't. I came to stop this being and return what he stole. You and your people must take back what was stolen from you. You must defeat your own evil. I will not deny you that. Then he um, uh, takes the ring uh, with Dask in tow back to Alan. Alan is still knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) And the sun's coming up, too, so it's been a long (laughs) knockout. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So uh, he puts the ring back on Alan's hand. Um, and he also uses, uh, Alan's, uh, he uses, uh, Abin uses his ring to, uh, fix, uh, Jay and Alan of any injuries they sustained, as well as wipe their memory of anything involving Dask Noir or himself on the off chance they saw anything. Um, he flies off with Dask in tow and Jay and Alan wake up and they don't remember anything. But Alan notices, hey, my ring's on the wrong hand. <laughs> oh, oh, that happened, sir. <laughs> uh, the thing I really liked about... The thing I kind of liked about this, even though it was predictable as hell, it was the fact when the Guardians are, tr- are prepping Abin, like, you got to be careful here, because he cause he, he took... All, you know, Noir took all these weapons, and he could be dangerous, and Abin's sort of like, I don't need to hear that. I... I I'm a Green Lantern. I, I, he can't. He can't do anything to me. And like three panels later, he whips out some yellow shit that makes him. It's like it's just. It's good to know that Abin and Hal did actually have a lot in common after all. <laughs> no wonder why the ring shows him. I'll just fly in half-assed, and it really doesn't matter because I'm Abin, sir. Hey, I'm Al Cole. Where's my ring? I'll, I'll steal this guy's ring. What do you want? Abin, sir. Class act. <laughs> You know, when uh, Das Noir first lands on that first page right there, and by the way, the name of the story was called Close Encounters. Uh, it is, uh, let me just zoom in a little bit. Darwin McPherson, the writer, Howard Porter, penciler, Andrew De Pepoy, the inker, Chris Eliopoulos, the letter, and uh, Gina Goying as the colorist, and special thanks to Mark Wade. Um, but that panel, that first big panel where he shows up there, yep. who does he remind you of? There's a lot of different things. I'm try- he actually Specifically me- DC Comics villain. Um... 
He looks like a Clipso. Yes, that one. I couldn't think of his name. That's why. Yeah, he does look. He does look like a Clipso. He looked. He looked a little like. I'm gonna draw a blank too because my brain's not working tonight. Uh, some more. He a couple. A couple of Marvel guys. He reminded me of too. Uh, but yeah, he he has he has a it's a weird he has a unique look but yet a familiar look all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, he looks a, he, there's a little saber tooth in him too, especially like in the second page when he's uh, in part the- of his costume's kind of cable-ish. Yes, <laughs> uh, another part of it just based on color scheme is kind of Deathstroke-ish. Yep. <laughs> so, or, or, even, or even Mongolish too. Yeah, um, so that's kind of interesting, uh, but. That's the only panel where he looks like that. Right. Notice, like, the really sharp um, nose and stuff like that uh, and the teeth and the red eyes and all that stuff is not necessarily present anywhere else. No, because he does, he does kind of have a Green Goblin-like face in that, first, yeah. in, that, in that first splash page when he arrives, but you're right. Actually, a little, a little bit of it, you're right. The nose is not as common, but you look at the, the page, the page seven when he's – when Alan and Jay are about to, like, leap into action to take him on, that he kind of looks a little bit more, it looks a little bit more profile-wise, a little closer to, I think, that uh, splash page look. But for the most part, yeah, he he looks a lot more humanoid and not, like, demon-esque through a lot of the other close-ups in the the book, I think. Um, I do like uh, just the, the, the color differences between... Uh, the energy of uh, of um, Abin and Alan's ring. Um, if I feel like Alan's is more of like a deep, deep emerald, whereas uh, Abin's is more of like a light, lighter green. If that makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, other than that, I don't want to draw it out too much, but I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. There's not, there's not much like substance here, and there's a lot of kind of, um, you kind of have to uh, suspend criticism in a way because you're like, there are certain things they obviously have to do in the story to keep it a x number of pages, and b have Avin and Alan not interact, you know, so right. like. Alan and Jay being out for as long as they are, are you know, kind of seems stupid. Uh, but at the same time, you know, intellectually, I guess, that there's no way Avin and Alan could really cross paths. Um, well, they could have. You just would have to mind wipe them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Do, do the whole uh, men in black thing with the, with the neuralizer or whatever. What happened? Um, I did like the part when Avin serves, you know, Sorry, you know what that reminds me? You, you said Men in Black a little flashy thing. <laughs> Have you seen that meme online <laughs> of them using the neuralizer? And it's that dude that you you always see where he's holding his hands out and he's saying aliens. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes like, yeah, 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 yeah. So it shows like the progression of this dude throughout. <laughs> You know, he gets progressively tanner and his hair gets wilder or whatever. <laughs> Will Smith's like, quit using that flashy thing. You know, you're going to give him brain cancer. <laughs> and then it just shows this dude without the aliens thing in front of him. And then he does it again. Aliens. And they flash him again. <laughs> oh, my. 
<laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. It's funny. Uh, I, and, I, and I set us up for it, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so I take my I take my medicine. Uh, I like when Abrin serves, you know, le- leaving, going off-world. He says, I look forward to the day I can return, perhaps to fight at your sides or to choose a successor from your ranks. <laughs> but, perhaps uh, to fight at your sides or to die. die. <laughs> Yeah, well, at least he got the second part right. He did choose a successor from your ranks. He just didn't think it was going to be eight, like a million ways to die with Abin Sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I did like seeing, uh, I mean, for as, as little of the amount of time we did see it, I did like seeing Jay and Alan fight side by side. Yeah, I thought that I, was I cool. I did like that, and I actually kind of liked seeing Abin Sir deal with the Guardians, too. Uh, we, we really don't get we don't get a whole lot of that <laughs> and a lot of stories, but I do, and it's just it's always I don't know if refreshing is the right word, but at least there's a little bit of consistency and always the fact that some poor Green Lanterns always have to go clean up the Guardians' mess. <laughs> <laughs> like go, get him. we we lost another one. Go get him, <laughs> but don't mess with anything. <laughs> don't touch anything. Uh, you break it, it's yours. So I. That was that was pretty cool, and uh, I and I do like to, I also like the fact that you know one day Abensur will be a see this is kind of a ha- well, again talk about a backhanded compliment it's like one day Abensur will be a legend <laughs> for basically passing the ring on to Hal Jordan the greatest Green Lantern <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have much to do with everything you did as Green Lantern but look who you gave it to nice call <laughs> <laughs> you're a legend for dying and giving it to somebody better thanks. <laughs> But we all love Evan, sir. He's kind of like a – he's a blank slate, so he appeals to everybody. And as cheesy as it is, I do like the uh, the idea that Abin, not thinking, puts the Green Lantern ring back on Alan on yeah. the wrong hand. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can make – I mean, you could look at it and go, oh, A, a it's either convenient or, you know, he, he should be more of a detail-oriented than that. But, yes, it's, it makes sense based on everything that's going on. That is something you could believe was an oversight because, yes, Green Lanterns usually wear their ring on their right hand, so it makes sense that he would instinctively put the ring back. So, yeah. So I did, I, I did like that, and, and it was a nice, it was a, excuse me, it was a cute little punchline. All right, next up. And it does, and as we know, it wouldn't have been a quarterly without an, an uh, Alan Scott story. That's true. That's one of my favorite things about Quarterly is the amount of emphasis they put on Alan. Even though this is not one of your – obviously, this is kind of one of your, like, homages to Alan Scott, but not really doing anything of consequence with him compared to many of the other issues. That's true. But it is good. Like like we said, it's good that they continue that all throughout all eight issues, that Alan Scott at least gets a story, Um, which is good because Nort doesn't get one. So if we had to keep (laughs) one of those things constant, let's go with Alan Scott. All right, so let's 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 continue this. So now we go back to, which is to the to the narration, which kind of the, the overarching narration in this issue, and it goes back to you know Abin Sura amongst the countless countless ranks of lanterns documented in the Book of Oa. He was clearly the Green Lantern with the purest record and the strongest will. I like that until the day of his death, and on that day, his power ring you know basically found a suitable replacement who would you know be the greatest Green Lantern the Corps would ever know. You know Hal Jordan. Which is kind of cool because you see the happy-looking Hal Jordan in the actual pages of the Book of, Book of Oa, and of course behind that you can, you kind of see the, the the badass rings on every finger, Emerald Twilight Hal Jordan. 
<laughs> with the great temples, of course. So we'll go, even more renowned than Abin Sur, you know, Jordan led the Corps through its finest years. And unfortunately, unlike, unlike Abin Sur, he lived to see the Guardians for the cold, superior manipulators they are, a truth that alone would have destroyed a lesser lantern, a truth that would have unbelievable... That would, excuse me, would unbelievably keep some from ever, from uh, even joining the once prestigious Green Lantern Corps. And that gives us, this is quite an interesting story too. Uh, Bad Intentions, script by Bo Smith, Enrique Villagran, the art, Pat Brossier lettering, and Matt Webb does the coloring. And this, oops, I just screwed up this, there we go. Uh, This issue, if nothing else, this story has some of the worst names of all time. (laughs) It's like so. So we we see that we see this ma- this this warrior fighting this you know this this dinos this kind of like dinosaur thing which you what what is that a Henru? That's not a great <laughs> that's not a great name either. But it doesn't. Have, but wait, it gets better or worse. So so the narrator of the story is this is this warrior. He was like I was having a bad day. Then this hungry Henru make was making it worse. Moments like this really try my sensitive personality. So basically, he throws like a grenade inside this this Henry's mouth, and he uses his sword to to to, to close to, to close his mouth and keep it shut. He rescues this chick, and then you know the Henry blows up real good. And it's, I like the fact that the this this warrior has this really freaky looking like I don't know what what would you, what would you say that mask looked like? It's kind of like almost like a crocodile. It's got a little crocodile aspects to it. A little, it's weird. I don't know if it. It just. It just looks like it. You would. You would have thought if it, this was just like this weird shaped alien head. Until he takes it off and you realize it's just just a mask, just a helmet, and he kind of is your typical. You're all too typical humanoid looking uh, character. Maybe like his coloring's a tad off, but he does it like Spock like ears, whatever. And at this point, a guardian of the universe shows up. And now we find out that this character's name is Probert. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> the bad one. I prefer the bad one. <laughs> B.O. <laughs> Just call him B.O. <laughs> so the Guardian shows up, and of course, Probert surprises him by recognizing that who he is and what he is. And, you know, Probert says, you know, you don't stay alive as long as I have without keeping your ear to the muck. And the Guardians, hey, a common theme, we need your services. <laughs> And Probert's kind of like, why should I help you? And now we get another story of, once again, the Guardian's decision-making going awry. God, these these names are... Uh, uh, maybe they took a bet to see who could come up with the worst names in one story, because this guy clearly wins. <laughs> so we find out that that the law enforcer on the planet LaBurb... Wow. Who's called Crud, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you, you can be really optimistic and say he's crud, <laughs> but I'm just going with crud, <laughs> who's a real pu- a real fat, punchy-looking, stuck-up guy, who's basically following in the Sinestro path of using the ring to put himself in power and to use it for personal gain. And the Guardian informs uh, Probert there he's taken control of this, plan- this affluent planet and placed the planet's riches and people under his command. And now we see... And the vision that the Guardian is showing, Probert. Now she's a cute chick, but again, a horrible name. That this chick that that uh, Crud is holding on to, and you never want Crud, you never want Crud on your girl. 
that her name is Pula, and somehow this was Probert's uh, former flame. And Pula Sid. That's right, Pula Sid. They mention uh, the Guardian mentions that that uh, her full name is Pula Sid because that makes it better. <laughs> Pula baby. That and all, but because Probert, I, using, it's hard to just not laugh when I keep using these names. <laughs> when the bad one, when Probert realizes that Pula is being held captive by Crud. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Now all of a sudden he's you know he he's willing to uh, leap into action to rescue her, especially since Pula is being used as a as a personal concubine <laughs> to crud. Uh, so basically what the guardians you know what the guardians want to do is even though we, as we're as the guardians kind of explaining all this, you know we need you to go take the power from him and we made them we made a mistake shocker that we that we thought he basically he could. He would be able to. He would be worthy of his power, but he's not. So Probert's like getting his weapons already, and, and he's ready to do it. And the Guardian pretty much offers up a Green Lantern ring and a, a, a power battery. <laughs> because I guess the Guardians, when you make a mistake, I guess the next best thing is to give it to the next person you see who might be a mistake too, but hope it works out. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, luckily for the Guardian, in a way. Uh, Probert kind of declines and says, you know, I don't really, I don't, I don't wear rings. I'll manage just fine. So he essentially rejects the ring and the power battery. He, um, so Crud, you know, Crud takes the, I guess it was a little boy after all, takes the little boy back that he had rescued from that dinosaur thing. Because I'm not going back to look up the name again. Henry. <laughs> so after, after, now we switch over, to, you know, to Crud's place. And he, he, I know. I, I, in a way, I am kind of glad I got the story because it's just so friggin', it's just so hard to just, it just rolls off your tongue. Crud just rolls off your tongue. Crud really, crud really is this kind of like stuck-up guy. He dresses like you know he was like in, uh, like pre-revolutionary France. Chandeliers everywhere, and then uh. We see how he treats one of his lackeys, you know, who who makes a mistake because he he doesn't get his luster suit, which has a which I guess must be what their version of a leisure suit, <laughs> or it's a version of Ch- one of Chad's robes. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> but either way, appreciate that. <laughs> I, I figured you would, <laughs> but either way, this guy you know failed to do what Crud wanted him to do. So basically, he chokes the life out of him by cutting off oxygen from from him and then throws him out the window of his castle. At that point, we see uh, Probert kind of—he he, kind of realizes he's in the right place as that guy gets thrown to his death. Uh, Probert climbs the castle to go to confront him. Meanwhile, uh, Crud can't wait to get busy with Pula because he starts ripping off his clothes, and she's—you know—she's tied up. It's kind of funny. She, she, she's like the only one dressed like in modern clothes, like at, at the time, almost modern clothes, like for an Earthling. Though it is kind of like a really cheesy. Almost like a like a hooker kind of look, but but she is the most humanoid, and also in the way besides the way she dresses by look, she kind of looks a little more human. Uh, so you know, Crud comes in and starts starts making starts making the moves on her, and at this point, Probert shows up and pulls a gun on pulls a gun on Crud with the "Let her go, fat boy." I like that. Um. So of course, uh, Crud leaps into action with a really weird shape—the <laughs> big K for Crud, I guess. 
his power ring. Uh, so the you know, the power ring starts shooting shooting at Probert. He's you know he kind of realizes quickly that he's you know he's outmatched there, and he he does realize it's like I really sh- I probably should have taken the guardian up on their offer and taken that ring. Uh, Crud's kind of getting cocky now because he figures uh, Probert can't stop him, and then Pro- Probert gets attacked by these um, these energy constructed jaws that go <laughs> that go chasing chasing Probert around in the castle. Uh, he Probert pushes a pushes a desk, which has a has seemingly has a yellow lamp too, which probably comes in handy against the against the door to kind of prop the door shut while he tr- while he reloads its gun and tries to figure out what to do. And he's like, I should have paid attention to the blue guy. I could use that power. I wish that lantern was here. And then all of a sudden, uh, just like that, a power but the power battery shows up. Uh, He's kind of leaning against. Now he does not have a ring, correct? No, he doesn't. He does not. I wanted to make sure I read this story correctly, which is interesting, worth talking about at the end. The fact. So he's looking at the ring. He's looking at the power battery as these jaws are finally breaking through the wall that he had barricaded. He's like, I don't have much time. How do I turn this thing on? Kind of reminds you of Ryan Reynolds in the movie. It's like, uh, oh, great power coming. No, that's not it. Oh, it's something. Probably something girly like flower, flower. Give me the power. Uh. The jaws are almost chomped. They have almost chomped their way completely through. He's like, "Come on, you stupid flashlight! Come on, and I'll break you into a million pieces. Give me the juice!" <laughs> and just like that, boom! All of a sudden, for whatever reason, that power battery charges him up. Even though he has no ring, it's like, uh, first we add a little something to the hardware, and then he so he he uses his modified guns to take out to take out the uh, the the jaws. Then you know, <laughs> Crud comes in thinking that that he's got, he's gonna find basically the, the dead body of Probert. Uh, he get he gets surprised to get blasted by the, the gun of Probert. Probert you know un, unties Pula, and they kind of have they have a brief they have a brief moment of kind of of reconnecting. Uh, Probert goes to look for uh, he goes to look for Crud. Crud has fallen into into the uh, the base of a fountain, who and he comes and he comes out sneaking up on Probert. He uh, try does tries to do the same thing he did to his assistant there, putting him in an, in an energy construct bubble around his head to try to basically to choke him. Uh, Probert's a little quicker on the draw than that, so basically he he, he creates an energy constructed blade and and cuts the ring finger off <laughs> of Crud. So pretty much Crud is now powerless. He, now Probert you know, throws away his energy constructed blade and proceeds to go mano e mano and beats the living crap. <laughs> he beats the crap out of crud. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, then you know, Pula comes over. He's like Probert, I found the source of crud's power. Use it and kill him for what he did. Kill him for me. And you know, so she's got the power ring. She's got the power battery. Probert's like, yeah, crud's done, Pula. No need to waste the energy killing him. Besides, I don't wear. And at that moment, before he can finish his thought, the Guardian shows up. And <laughs> kind of like an interesting conversation. Probert's like, you know, you, you kind of, you know, nice of you to show up when after when all the work is done. I could have used your help before. And the Guardian's like, oh, like your lantern. I was always close by, you know, <laughs> more or less. If you really, supposedly, if you really needed me, I would have been there. 
all too typical. Uh, so the Probert kind of gives you know gives the ring and uh, what's his face is Crud's ring to the Guardian, and the Guardian says he will be taken care of now. Sure, and <laughs> the Guardian's like I must take your power back. You understand? Yes. And Probert's like in case you didn't notice, the power is in my body. With your track record of goof of goof ups, I think it's gonna stay right where it is. You got a problem with that? And the Guardian's like, Oh, there will be no repossession of the power now. We will continue to monitor your movements and keep your services on retainer. And I'm glad you agree. And then they just the Guardian flies off and you know, now Pula's all, Oh, come with me, my great warrior and basically because she has daddy issues, or at least daddy has issues with Probert because she doesn't like him. But now, <laughs> seemingly, she thinks that <laughs> her father can see the error of her ways now that Probert's this big hero. And Probert ends this story with, Retainer! He's, <laughs> Retainer, I'm still not going to wear any rings! <laughs> the, the end. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it was an interesting little story, but I, there wasn't much to it. I, I had to laugh, though. Especially when, because I didn't really notice it until he climbs out of the pool or the little fountain. He customized his ring with a freaking big green K. Yeah. The stupid thing. Yep. That's dumb. K for crud. <laughs> That's so stupid. Um. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I, I think the only interest. I think the only interesting thing here is the fact that. Um, Probert is able to absorb energy into himself. Yes, that's a very... It's something we've always kind of wanted to see, the whole internalizing of the power, in a way, but being, but in a different... but kind of taking it on the first basic level, basically the first step towards that journey. The fact that he could... that he can harness the green energy and basically get a charge on it and you make constructs, but yet he has no conduit, so how can he do it? Not that we ever get an explanation for it. Mm-hmm. But that's what you are... You are correct, sir! That's what makes the story, as a story, interesting. And besides, whoever was, whatever they were, they were smoking, drinking, snorting, injecting to come up with the the names of these characters. I mean, this this has to be the, if it's not the wackiest story ever when it comes to all the, all the major names given of characters and places, it's got to be damn close, because this was really far out there. Well, the names of yours are one thing, and then between the names of your characters and the verbiage of my characters coming up, yeah, yeah, this issue too. reminds me of that movie, Pootie Tang. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Except we can kind of understand what's going on here more than Pootie Tang. Pootie Tang, you need, Pootie Tang, you need the constant uh, translator and closed captioning on. You tell a Pootie! What? What a tie. <laughs> oh, he's got his belt! Look out! Uh, <laughs> Pootie Tang! Get one green lantern. Uh, oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to just skip over it for the sake of, you know, uh, brevity, but I, again, what, 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 the stuff in this story is, I know it sounds so basic, but it's, it's on the page. There's not a lot to extrapolate here. No, there, no, there isn't. I, I kind of like how the Guardian looks like. He, he looks like the, the, uh, the really dumpy Guardian who doesn't really care about making sure his robe looks good. <laughs> Maybe stays a little too long for lunch sometimes. <laughs> he just, <laughs> he, he, he's, he just doesn't seem like a Guardian that really gives a rat's ass all that much. 
which is probably why a, he, he's the one who probably made the mistake in the first place, place with Crud, and why he's he doesn't really want to deal with the fact that he may have made he may have made a mistake now letting uh, Probert keep the power, though. How exactly was he? What was he just going to, like, put his hand against his chest and just drain him clean? I guess he was going to. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, he did have the ring. He did have he did have Crud's ring, so I guess he could have absorbed the energy with the ring, but I don't know. It is well, he's also a guardian. Yeah, I know. He, didn't, he didn't need to use the ring. I'm just saying. He could have just, why I said, put the hand against him. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it is the fact that I, I don't care. And besides, you would think the energy wouldn't be infinite anyway, because he just got a little bit of a charge off the battery. <laughs> you would think it would run out. But I, I also like how um, Pula's like automatically assuming basically that, all right, it's time for us to enter into a marriage arrangement since you saved me. That's, that's right. We'll get the sequel story when he like gets out of there as fast as he can. <laughs> Falling ass. <laughs> you'd, see him sneak, you'd see him sneaking through the crowd behind Jackie Chance's scenes. <laughs> <laughs> you can have her. I hear she's really good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so speaks crud. All right. Anything else about this one? No, it was. I liked this. I liked the story, so I wasn't unhappy. I got the story. It's just it's a hard story to keep a straight face when you're talk, when you're talking about it because the names are so bad. <laughs> Probert was the easiest name not to laugh at. <laughs> uh, All right, man, you got you got two more pages. Yeah, I know, and these are and again, these are better than the story. Um, so now we skip back to narration, which is every step of this narration gets us closer, basically, to the events of Emerald Twilight. In case it hasn't become clear by the, so it's like the likes of crud, <laughs> the likes of crud. Nice writing. The likes of Crud had begun to tarnish the name of the Green Lantern Corps. Such sheer headstrong resistance to the goal set forth by the Guardians hinted at an obvious flaw in their perf perfection. Mistakes were beginning to be made, some of them monumental, which is cool because you get a nice close-up of Sinestro's face. So, you know, he, he's a major one. Uh, Sinestro, the most infamous of the renegade Green Lanterns, had caused much consternation for the Guardians and Hal Jordan in particular eventually bringing the ultimate conflict back here to Oa. So then we start seeing, basically, we get some snippets, panels of Hal Jordan and Sinestro duking it out in from Green Lantern 50 on on uh, Oa. And then we have, we get a really cool panel of, on, when you, with the written uh, blurbs of good, evil, right, wrong, things change. And you see a, a really enraged-looking Hal Jordan having both ring hands extended with again rings on every single finger so I thought that was I thought that was pretty neat uh, then we go potential is what the first attracts the guardians to a rings recipient and for count for centuries their judgment was impeccable but things had changed and then we start seeing uh, the emerald twilight the on the way to Oa emerald twilight how with all these rings floating kind of like floating there, and, and, and not for the better. And, and who do we see? Poor Guy Gardner. <laughs> Perhaps the pressure on the Guardians and the Green Lanterns, the pressure to live up to their legends, was too much. Either the standards for the Corps <clears throat> excuse me, were slipping, or as the last chapters of the Book of Oa left little to speculation, the Guardians and their Corps were for, far from perfect. And we, of course, see at that moment, Jack T. Chance! Take it away, <laughs> Chad. <laughs> Um, 
over on the planet Garnet, which is basically a planet that we've we've been mentioned we've uh, run into before in a uh, prior issue of uh, Quartery. <clears throat> it's a uh, the worst a hive of scum and villainy in the <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> We see Lobo hunting down uh, a um, a uh, a group of people. He's looking uh, for. Uh, Augusta Gulf, who is uh, wanted by Viral Docs of Legion, and Legion the acronym, not like Legion of Superheroes. Um, he gets into a fight with uh, with Augusta and, uh, I don't know, her sidekick, whatever. Um, he kills him, and he's dead on the ground and uh, bleeding a bunch of yellow. And Augusta puts a bat with nails into the back of Lobo's head and that doesn't do anything. So he knocks her out, slings her over his uh, space bike and uh, ties her to it. And right then is when Jack T. Chance shows up and says his name is Jack T. Chance, Green Lantern uh, of this bird, the worst scum planet going uh, to kick, uh, to kick butt here. You have to be badder than bad. Uh, and I'm the baddest dude around and you're stomping on my turf. Um, uh, Lobo says he's on a mission for Legion. Now back off, uh, and that's when they get uh, into a fight. Uh, Jack kind of entices it by calling him, uh, calling Lobo a yellow belly, um, and they go. They start fighting. Uh, Jack, you know, grabs him with the construct's uh, hand and slams his face into the ground, and then kicks him up into the sky, and then. Uh, Tries to bring down a chainsaw on him, and all of a sudden, uh-oh, uh, I'm sorry, but you're not allowed to kill people, Jack, uh, according to the ring. So it shuts, shuts him down mid-swing of the chainsaw, and that's when uh, Lobo kicks him in the nads, or at least an inch to the right of his nads. <laughs> and uh, as Jack is recovering, Lobo comes leaping out behind the store of used panties. and <laughs> <laughs> In a comics cafe. Yeah, that's right, swinging his chain. Um so but uh, <laughs> Jack grabs it with his with his uh, with a construct hand and kind of sucks it into uh, a press uh, and uh, takes uh, Lobo up into the sky um, and then hangs him. Uh, you know the chain is wrapped around Lobo's arm, so he's kind of dangling around. And uh, then Jack grabs his gun that he always has on him and shoots at Lobo. He thinks he's one, and he says uh, he walks up to him, and then Lobo has, actually wakes up and has the the slugs in his mouth, spits them out, and then headbutts uh, Jack. And uh, Jack says, "Thanks a bunch, Bobble. You call that protection?" And the ring says, "This ring's protective feature will preserve life and repair damage, not anticipate attack. If you require a force field, you must create one for yourself." And uh, we can see in the background that, you know, if you want, uh, you know, if you need some good kneecap, Garen Beck gives good knee, kneecap. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, uh, and and uh, the his bauble, <laughs> which is his ring, says good thinking, uh, or, or Jack says good thinking, I could use a break before finishing this cr- this crud. And, and not that crud from the prior story. <laughs> this this crud. <laughs> a, a cr- crud, C-U-R-D. My crud was double K-R-U, what, what D-D, I think? Or at least yeah. One. But either way, was my K, my crud was with a K. <laughs> double K. Um, 
So Jack puts a protective bubble around him, sits down, and tries to finish off his Jack. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's when Lobo uh, goes over to um, the man he killed earlier, picks up his body, and dumps yellow his yellow blood all over him, all over himself, and then uh, walks up to Jack's bubble uh, and rips it open because yellow is the weakness of the ring. Due to necessity and purity in our in our manufacture, the rings have no effect over things that are yellow. So Lobo starts kicking the crud out of uh, <laughs> uh, out of uh, Jack. Uh, of Jack, and uh, he says, "I want you to remember how you're creamed by a yellow belly, yellow belly, yellow belly." He keeps screaming that again. He says, "Next time, bonehead, maybe I, you won't be so quick to mouth off." Uh, and he says, so what he does is he walks over to Jack and he's going to take the ring off of him, but the ring won't do it. He says, this ring's matrix is coded to his, uh, DNA. It may be passed or pledged, but never stolen. It remains upon this agent's finger. So there's a lot of finger removal in this comic. Uh, <laughs> um, Lobo rips the finger off Jack's hand and leaves Jack there, takes the ring with him. And he says, uh, the ring actually, you know, he's got all kinds of plans for himself for this, uh, uh, for, for this ring. And then this is, this ring will not leave the planet. Uh, this ring will not leave this planet. He says, you what? The arrangement between chance and the guardians confines him to this sector. As such, it binds this ring. Your every whim will be satisfied, but only on Garnet. And Lobo's like, well, no piece of jewelry tells me what to do so he throws the ring off, uh ditches the ring gets on his bike and heads out and the ring inches back over to uh jack's hand puts itself back on and uh uh lobo's out in space flying back towards viral docks and the legion assuming and just kicks off a, a random passerby off of the um off of the, his uh space bike or whatever and uh i guess that's Sucks the kid into his engine or something. <laughs> I, I don't know what it, what those little splashes of, of stuff are, but I'm assuming it's blood. I don't know. Um, he says half uh, power rings. Who fragging needs them? Uh, and uh, meanwhile, on the ground, uh, Jack says, "Oh, what's the score, Bobble?" He says Lobo was tempted but failed. You remain the champion of Garnett. He says, "You mean I won?" In a manner of speaking, and Jack says, okay, who wants to take on the dude the, who's bad or the bad? What's the matter, you bunch of yellow bellies? And that is the end of this story. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Now, to, now, to me, besides all the weird things written all over this issue, uh, mm-hmm. in the background, including the topless penguins, farm animals, and bras, <laughs> D- D- Detroit's still safer than driving in L.A., <laughs> Uh, Kella lives. Frag the vote. Woody Allen was here uh, for a good time. Call nine one one. They seem they have a lot of Detroit references, which is interesting. But uh, to me, the real interesting thing was that whole thing about the the, the ring being matched to his DNA. Um. Yeah, I I think Kyle did that. After. Right, but that's my point. I don't. Th- I yeah. think Kyle was the first time. I believe that was the first the first time Green Lanterns had really had done that. Before, obviously, they had they had foreshadowed it here, but the first, but all the the normal Green Lantern rings are not 
DNA match to their user. But we know Kyle's was. That was part of the uniqueness, that the only people who could use Kyle were direct genetic relatives of his, biological relatives, or Hal, because it used to be his ring, or Kyle could will it to somebody else, but, but you couldn't just take Kyle's ring and use it. So it was interesting that they that, that was kind of in a way foreshadowed here, which I thought was kind of it was, it's interesting because it just seems so out of place. But so, but so much was like cr- the Probert's internalizing of the Green Lantern power from the battery. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I I don't know. I, it, it maybe was just a function of the first time. We met Jack because that's when we figured out he was confined to Garnett, right? Yeah. So um, maybe it was just one of the things they added because of the planet he was on. I mean, he's on a planet of a bunch of thieves and, and you know fighters and brawlers and everything else. So maybe it would make sense that if he's going to be only active here... We should probably make it so <laughs> the hive. No one else could possibly use it. Yeah, nobody else could possibly use it because, considering the people he's constantly surrounded with and can't get away from in terms of like off planet. Though obviously Lobo found a way to work around that. <laughs> the, True. The, the fact that of if it be only being genetically matched to him, so so hmm. you would think the ring wouldn't have worked that way either. Then, since they since the ring. Should be consciously aware of it, that it's being that it's not being used. It, it may be used in the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. <laughs> <laughs> These are such unlikable characters, though. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was tempted to go uh, try and find some Legion stuff to read from around this time. But I decided against it. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. It probably. Yeah. I, I don't really know. I don't really know if it was, if it was, really worth it or not. But the art was The art was nice. Yeah, the artwork was good. I mean, it's yeah. It's usually the Jack T. Chan stories are, are drawn nicely well. Mm-hmm. And I there was. Wait, did you say drawn nicely well? Yeah, I did say that. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe this this issue just sucking my brains right out through my nose. <laughs> Is your name Trusk? <laughs> it's drawn fairly well. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> the reason I ask is his Trusk's brains were here, <laughs> all over this wall right here. <laughs> Speaking of which, I do kind of like the fact that it looked like. Uh, just the way that that thing that he killed kind of like wearing almost like a like a onesie. <laughs> yeah, he's got a butt flap. He's got a butt flap, so he's like wearing like almost like long johns, but almost like more like a onesie. And it just it's just so fun. It, there's just so much stuff in this to really look at. Um, so clearly they were throwing in a lot of a lot of uh, Easter eggs, you know, pap smear and laxatives. Apparently, uh, good combination. Um, so. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Obviously, obviously, people had a had a good time <laughs> creating this story. So, and that was uh, writer David Devries, uh, penciler Gene Ha, inker Scott Hanna, letterer Bob Beneha, and colorist Tom McCraw. And the name of the story obviously was Yellow Belly. Oh yeah. All right. Well, oh, we got one more. Belly. We got one more page for you. 
Yeah, I know. I got. I, I, I closed this. I didn't close it. I shrunk, I started a slideshow by mistake. Now we're gonna go back. Now I'm good. All right, power rings. Who indeed needs them? And then we have a very cool silhou- silhouetted image of uh, Sinestro and Hal Jordan squaring off with the power battery clearly seen in the background. But Hal and Sinestro are silhouetted. Uh, when the source of the power is here in the Owen power battery, the link to all the Green Lanterns who had ever been. Uh, the place the Corps had to stop Hal Jordan from getting to. The place the Corps would die trying to protect. Ordered to do so by their eternally aloof masters, the Guardians. The Corps was all that Hal Jordan had. Coast City, his birthplace, was gone. Guidelines the Guardians set forth. His own beliefs were gone. Now his comrades and arms were gone as well. Hal Jordan was always there for the Guardians and the Corps, but the one time he needed them to be there for him... Hal Jordan found out, the hard way, he was on his own. It was never clear whether the Book of Oa was written as events occurred, or if the book was one step ahead of the all-knowing Owens. Now history will never know, for the Book of Oa is no more. Tomorrow another author must pick up the factual story of the conflict between good and evil, redefining which is which for the next billion years. And basically they tell you to go check out Green Lantern 50 Emerald Twilight, and they do kind of, and in the final little page here, you see, again, you see horribly drawn Sinestro. But Hal and Sinestro, you know, almost locked in the final moment of their mortal combat. And then you kind of see, like, the four, the rough sketch of what Kyle looks like, what Kyle was going to look like. Um, and thus ends Green Lantern Quarterly. Yeah, um... One thing, uh, I did read the letters calls, uh, letter column, and not necessarily anything um, uh, interesting here in terms of actual letters from from uh, the uh, the fans. However, they do say in their kind of farewell thing, goodbye and thanks for all the fish, or so the Dolphin said at the end of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy. This is it for GLCQ. Now, don't get misty. You see, unlike most titles that are canceled, GLCQ was selling well. Stopping publication is a result of the major events currently happening in the parent title. After Emerald Twilight, putting out GLCQ would be equivalent to continuing Superman Family after John Byrne's Man of Steel series. In other words, and again, quoting from other sources, the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. Uh, There are still many good stories to tell of the core, and perhaps someday we will. (coughs) It hasn't been that long, has it? (laughs) 1994, people. Good grief. Yeah. So, um... Yeah. Uh, and they do mention a couple of times in here to check out Guy Gardner Warrior number 20 uh, for stuff involving, like, um... Uh... For stuff involving uh, some Allen stuff going forward. And plus, um, and plus they're pushing him... On 18, which is where Emerald Fallout begins. Yeah, so, it, yeah, 18 uh, with ties to the Emerald Twilight slash Emerald Fallout stuff, and 20 uh, for um, uh, Alan stuff. But, you know, honestly, uh, I'll, I'll be completely honest here. I think I've read a couple of issues of Warrior, but it was so early in my collecting that I only had, like, a random issue here and there i had like five and 14 and you know something like that i've since collected a lot more but i don't think i've ever actually gone back and 
read through my collection now that I've had them. We'll have to do that at some point. Not a bad idea. I actually, I'm, lo- I'm looking at some of these, uh, some of the stuff in the letters column, and I think it's funny because that when the one they're talking about certain one of the letters are talking about uh, things that they were like addressed, and and and, and the letter from that from Mark. Stolnacker from San Diego talks about Boudica. It's like, Boudica, definitely one of the best new Green Lanterns, but please give her some personality, some depth, and don't just make her a big, dumb, kick-butt character. Comics have too many of this type nowadays. <laughs> and then they get down to the answer to that one. It's like, yeah, well, Boudica does need a hand. <laughs> that was very clever. <laughs> oh, nicely played. Nicely played. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> she does. <laughs> Oops. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for this issue. I I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty well. I thought it was well done. Um, I thought I, if, you know, I, I was gonna comment on whether or not it was worth it in terms of like, you know, is this a good wrap up for a series? But that's kind of the thing with anthology series is. There's really no story to wrap up. Um, yeah, it's an, it's an appropriate way to wrap up this series just because, you know, it's an anthology series and they're all kind of one-shots in their own regard. And it makes sense that, you know, Emerald Twilight would kill the Green Lantern core quarterly series because there is no more core. I guess you could theoretically continue it with... Uh, you know, uh, stories of past lanterns, but I, I mean... Or even stories of lanterns that are still living, just no longer having rings. Um, but I don't know. When you're trying to build a new character like Kyle Rayner, maybe those types of stories would hurt more than help. You know, you you want you want all all eyes on Kyle to try and help build him up, right? Yeah, I would think so. I think, and I think that this is this is kind of an appropriate way to end the series because of the fact that they certainly they certainly tried to have a theme, you know, in the stories they were telling. They yeah. tried they tried to make it a have some common ground there. So I to try to talk and they did I think they did a good job because they were they were connected they were trying to connect the fact that the guardians mistakes and the Guardian's decision-making. And I think that that is something that's certainly worth looking into when it comes to, uh, when it comes into Emerald Twilight, too. So. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else about this issue? No, I don't think so. All right, guys. That's going to do it for this episode. Quarterly quarterlies are now done. Finito. May you rest in peace. That's right. Um, next episode, do we know? If it, yeah, the next one we're it'll be Green Lanterns. The next one we record together. Okay. So, um, so Green Lanterns will do. I don't know what the official name of it is actually, but Lost in the space. training arc. Lost in space. Yeah. Lost in space. <laughs> danger, danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Mark, uh, until then, do you want to tell people how they can reach out to us? No, not yet. Uh, let's try to mix it up. Uh, so, best place, 
to contact us, lanterncast at gmail.com. Website is lanterncast.com. Check out our latest episodes, our blog posts, our you name it. Just we have it. It's if we have it, it's there. You can follow us on on uh, Twitter and like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast to locate us on it both or either of those. iTunes and Stitcher. We're on both. Leave us a positive review in whichever format you listen to us on. And last but not least, Seven Away Lantern is the voicemail. Uh, let us know what you think. What episode? Whoa. What episodes you want to hear? Uh, Topic-wise, next, and that I think that's pretty much it. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.